What's up, everyone? Hope y'all had a fantastic New Year's weekend. We're back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it. Use the promo code DNBR when you sign up. All right, we're going to start the show by talking about some next-level Rams, Trey McBride and Ryan Stonehouse doing big things in the NFL, respectively. And we're going to talk about the end of college football bowl season. Uh, Tulane completed the largest single-season turnaround in FBS history. You know, maybe CSU can do that next fall. We'll talk about some of the other games, uh, give some takeaways just regarding the Mountain West in the future. But I did want to start just by saying that I'm praying for Damar Hamlin, the Bills' safety. One of the scariest things I've ever seen happen in a sporting event Monday night. I'm really glad that they postponed the game ultimately. I, I just don't know how you could be expected to play after seeing something like that. The latest reports I've seen is that he is in critical condition at the hospital, so certainly hope that he is able to pull through it was just kind of a sobering reminder that these guys are humans. I mean, they kind of seem like superhumans, gladiators when they're out there doing incredible things on the football field. But they're just people. And his mom was in the stands. I don't know. I, I don't really have anything eloquent to say. I'm not trying to turn this into content or into a take or something. I just, I just wanted to say that I'm praying for him because that was horrifying. It honestly had me in tears. Just a really scary situation. And Damar Hamlin and his family will certainly be in my prayers. I hope he'll be in yours. And I'm thankful that the vast majority of the posts that I've seen regarding this subject were not about football. They weren't about the game being rescheduled. That's obviously going to be a complicated ordeal. But you don't have to be a Skip Bayless and post about it in that moment. Honestly, though. So many times the reactions from the masses can be really disheartening, can be disappointing, can make you reflect on humanity and think what in the world. But the vast majority of, of what I saw regarding the discourse in this was just people hoping that Damar Hamlin was okay. And I thought that was pretty neat. Just a small silver lining in what is a really terrible situation. Again, just really hope that Damar Hamlin is okay. <sighs> Man, I get I get really emotional even just watching fictional movies and, and TV shows and reading books. I'm overly empathetic, probably even to a fault. I don't have the stomach for situations like that. I really don't. Even just talking and thinking about it gets me kind of rattled. So let's uh let's regroup. Let's let's push forward. And let's try and bring the vibes up a little bit by talking about our guy. Trey McBride, a.k.a. Trey McBreezy, a.k.a. Trey McTouchdown. Trey McBride scored his first career touchdown. The Cardinals unfortunately lost again, but a really standout performance for him in this one. Season high totals in just about everything. 10 targets, 7 catches, 78 receiving yards, averaged 11 yards a catch. Like I said, had a touchdown. Played a season-high 71 offensive snaps, was out there for 96% of their offensive snaps, only played eight special team snaps. And that's really encouraging to see because they're to a point now where they trust him enough to start. He was a major piece of the offense in this one. And they value him enough as a weapon that he's only you know primarily playing offensive snaps now, not just special team snaps where he can make an impact with his athleticism and effort. 
they're to a point now where he's a part of the game plan and really contributing in major ways. I mean, it's one thing to get 10 targets, to have seven catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. They were all meaningful. It wasn't as if he racked up a bunch of garbage time stats when the game was over and Atlanta had a bunch of backup defenders in there. The game was tight, and Trey was a major part of what Arizona was doing offensively. He had a ton of key catches to move the sticks. There was one where they were backed up deep in their own territory. Offensive line managed to give the QB some time, and Trey caught a pass downfield like 20-plus yards. I mean, he was kind of the go-to option for David Blau in this one, who's now starting at quarterback with Colt McCoy and with Kyler injured, with Kyler Murray both being out due to injury. Excuse me. I do wonder if having a more traditional pocket quarterback these past couple of weeks has benefited him. Just because Kyler is a tremendous athlete, don't get me wrong, when he's out there doing his thing, he's one of the more fun players in, college, in uh, all of the NFL. But when you haven't played a ton with a guy like that, with a quarterback who's running around, who's improvising, it's kind of hard to establish some chemistry and rapport with him. Eventually, when you really get in tune, it can be great. You can, it can be like Mahomes and Kelsey. He had a play against the Broncos where he essentially just ran five yards, stopped, stood there for two, three seconds, waited to see what Mahomes was going to do, saw that he was going to scramble right, then just you know sprinted on a dead line to the sideline, got open for him. It takes time to establish that type of connection, though. So I just think having a more traditional guy who's going to come out three steps, get the ball out of his hands, that's big for a guy like Trey who's still kind of trying to get his feet underneath him. These past couple weeks, he's finally just been in a position where he can go out there, do his thing, get some targets, get the ball in his hands, and be impactful. I have no clue what's going to happen moving forward regarding the future of the offense. Who knows what it's going to look like? There's a decent chance that there's a new head coach and a new GM in Phoenix next year. So I'm just glad that Trey has been able to put this production out there to get some quality reps on film and to prove without doubt that he is a guy that can be a capable number one starting tight end in this league. It was never a doubt for Ram Nation. For those of us that have watched him for years, we all knew that he just needed an opportunity. The reality of the NFL, though, is politics come into play, and if there is a new GM, if he's not your guy and he's never proven himself, some of the times you can get lost in the fold. They could look at a guy like Trey and say, you know, I, I like his athleticism, I like his potential, but I've, I've got an established relationship with this guy, and we're going to bring him in. After these last couple of weeks, though, you'd look kind of dumb to do that. Trey has proven that he was worthy of being Arizona's top draft selection last year. And he's showing what we always knew was the truth, which is just that if you get the ball in his hands, good things are going to happen. For a guy that plays with as much strength and brute physicality as him, he has such soft hands. He's just such a natural pass catcher. He's constantly improving as a route runner on the red zone touchdown, had a nice sell where you kind of fake like you're going to block then break out right towards the pylon. Blau rolls out, hits him on the play action. Trey kind of stumbles, but he dives into the end zone. Fitting that he went with the Gronk spike because he looked like Gronk in this game in the way that they used him. And I hate to rub salts and old wounds for Ram fans, but one red zone target resulted in one touchdown. Novel concept, huh? Anyways, we're going to have Johnny Venerables on the show later this week. He covers the Arizona Cardinals for PHNX. 
had him on at the beginning of the season to kind of forecast what it could look like for Trey. Took a little bit longer for the Cardinals to get him involved. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know that that was a frustrating thing for Johnny and a lot of people that cover the Cardinals. So it'll be fun to have the conversation with him to talk about what Trey, just what his role could look like in the system moving forward, uh, what the future of the franchise may be. All of that fun stuff. Really long year for the Cardinals. They will try and snap a six-game losing streak in Week 18 at San Francisco. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about another great Ram, Ryan Stonehouse. Real quick, though, the fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season. The action is far from over, and my go-to for betting is with DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. You've got a week to learn as much as you can about the national championship, Georgia versus TCU. Georgia, big-time favorites in this one. But hey, after what we saw from TCU these past couple of weeks, I wouldn't count them out in any matchup, especially with how talented they are on the outside. Their receivers are next level. Duggan is playing out of his mind. You just never know. Right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Don't even have to cover the spread. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlay. Maybe you're going to go against what I just said and you're going to back Georgia. You're going to go all chalk. You take them to cover, take their over, TCU points under. Boom, you've got yourself a nice little parlay. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR. New customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if their team does. Only with the code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Of course, I also have to tell you about the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside behind home plate, floor seats at a concert. It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you never could find. With Game Time, you're not going to find a better deal this season on Rams tickets, Nuggets tickets, you name it, than you will with Game Time. It was created by the fans, for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, then you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Cool, 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 cool. I want to talk about Ryan Stonehouse and why it's absurd that he's not even in the conversation for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. I'll start by saying he's not going to win He was never going to win. They just aren't going to give it to a specialist. But in an NFL season where nobody has really run away with it, and we'll talk about who the the betting favorites are here coming up, it's Garrett Wilson, the Jets receiver as of now. But what Stoney is doing is historically significant. He's going to break a record that has stood since 1940. It's one of the NFL's oldest records. And that is the single-season punting average, which was set by Sammy Baugh with Washington all the way back in 1940 when he punted 35 times for 1,799 yards and an average of 51.4 yards per punt. In order to qualify for the record, punters are required to average 2.5 punts per team game played. So while I don't mean any disrespect to Sammy Baugh, I'm not trying to discredit what he did, 
But it should be noted that a major reason why this record has stood for so long and why it's so hard to top is that they play a lot more games now. Punters punt a lot more, so it's just a much greater volume. It's harder to keep the average up. Much greater opportunity for something weird to happen, like a fluky shank or something like that that brings down the average. But knowing that makes what Stonehouse has done even more impressive. I mean, there have been some great attempts over the years. Shane Leckler, in my opinion, is the greatest punter in NFL history. He came the closest in 2009. He punted 96 times for 4,909 yards, an average of 51.14 yards, barely. I mean, less than half of a yard, less than Sammy Baugh. But he punted almost three times as many times. In 2011, he punted 78 times for 3,960 yards, an average of 50.77. Close again, but no cigar. Stonehouse is on pace to shatter it. I mean, he's going to break it by close to two yards. As of right now, Stonehouse is averaging 53.02 yards. Again, the record is 51.4. And Stonehouse is doing this in the modern era with a modern volume for punters. He's punted 87 times for 4,613 yards. Assuming that they don't punt more than eight times in their season finale against uh, Jacksonville, Stonehouse only needs to average 33.75 yards per punt to break the record. He could get a combined 14 yards in his next three punts and still break it. So unless something fluky happens, he is going to break this record. It's going to go down as the greatest single season by any punter ever, at least thus far. And even so, not even in the conversation for the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Doesn't even have odds listed when you look at the other players. And I guess the, I said earlier that the betting favorite was Garrett Wilson. That's who it was a couple of days ago. It is now Kenneth Walker the third. Seattle's running back at minus 130. And you have the Jets receiver Garrett Wilson at plus 200. And then you have Brock Purdy, the 49ers quarterback, at plus 400, which value-wise might be the play if we're looking at this from a gambling perspective. But I think it's really dumb that Stonehouse is not even in the conversation, and I think it's indicative of a larger problem as a whole, which is that we really just don't value some of the most important components in, in football, at least with the way that we uh, award certain things quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, the skill guys, they always get the most attention. They get the most credit when things are going right. And what almost never seems to get talked about is quality offensive line play, quality special teams. And that's just a bit ironic to me because whenever you hear from the best coaches in history, the Nick Sabans, the Bill Belichicks of the world, that's the shit that they are infatuated with. Quality special teams play winning in the trenches. I mean, the Pats took an offensive guard out of Chattanooga in the first round. It seems odd to me if some of the greatest football minds that there are really emphasize this as a key point to winning. Why wouldn't the general conversation amongst those that cover the sport for a living, even football fans that watch it intensely and really understand it, why wouldn't they value special teams the same way? I don't mean any disrespect to Kenneth Walker or to Garrett Wilson or even Brock Purdy. I think, you know, Walker and, and Wilson are, are very talented. They're going to be great starters at their respective positions. Both are probably going to go over a thousand yards on the season. But when you look at their stats, it's just kind of run of the mill seasons for their respective positions. You know, 
a thousand yard receiver doesn't mean what it used to. A thousand yard rusher doesn't mean what it used to. Like they're good years. It's a great start to what will hopefully be promising NFL careers for them. But it's not historically significant like what Stonehouse has done. I get that I'm a Rams guy. I covered Stonehouse for five years. I really liked him as a person. I'm rooting for him. I'm certainly biased in my rooting interest. But doing something historically significant, shattering a record that stood for close to 100 years, that seems more award-worthy than just having a, a solid, basically baseline production-level season, which is 1,000 yards on the ground for a running back, 1,000 yards for a receiver. Impressive as a rookie, again, not trying to throw shade or be a hater or anything like that, but is it actually more impressive than what Stonehouse has done? I don't think so. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some of these bowl games, talk about how the Mountain West fared, some takeaways from all of that. Real quick, just want to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. DraftKings pick of the week. I think the most interesting race to look at is the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Right now, Geno Smith and Christian McCaffrey tied for the betting favorites at plus 175, followed closely by Saquon Barkley at plus 225. All of these guys are deserving of the recognition, in my opinion, all really unique stories. McCaffrey and Barkley coming back from injury. Geno Smith essentially coming back from the dead. I mean, it had been over a half decade in between starts for him. To me, on principle, I feel like Geno Smith is the most deserving of this award. But when you look at what San Francisco is doing right now and how hot McCaffrey is, I just think he's going to steal the spotlight, particularly if Seattle ends up falling short of the playoffs. We love Trey McBride, but the Cardinals suck, and I feel like San Francisco is going to just go crazy against them. And because of that, I am betting that Christian is going to surpass Geno after this week, going to ultimately win the award. And that's why he is my DraftKings pick of the week. Christian McCaffrey to be the NFL's comeback player of the year. You can get that at plus 175 over with our friends DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings pick of the week. Cool, 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 cool. I already kind of talked about this with TCU the other day, just with the fact that the air raid is winning at a high level, why that is encouraging if you're a CSU fan. But I I wanted to throw out a couple of more examples here. Mississippi State ended up beating Illinois. Really cool given the situation. Rest in peace, Mike Leach, one of the most influential figures in the history of the sport. Will Rogers, though, became the first SEC quarterback in conference history to throw for over 4,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. When you look at what they're doing, when you look at what TCU has been able to do, it's proof that this offense can be successful at the highest level of college football, particularly if you have great athletes. And in TCU's case especially, that's been really evident. They just move so well. They fly all around the field on both sides of the ball. Off of that, I love that CSU's recruiting approach is to find just the most explosive and athletic individuals possible. Positional experience basically does not matter. It's just trying to find the the best freak athletes you can find. They got a ton of guys that are running track, two, three, even four sport athletes in some cases. It's, it's a unique approach, but I think it's one that really works well in the modern game. 
And I think it especially makes sense when you're a program like CSU, who's not going to be landing those four and five star guys at a high school, the people that have those explosive traits and the positional experience that are well-rounded and essentially NFL ready from day one. You've got to find guys that display some of those traits and then you coach them up and you refine them and you get them to that point. It's a longer process, certainly more challenging, but it can be done. So I thought this bowl season in general was reaffirming for the direction of CSU football. I mean, particularly when you think about if they can build off what they accomplished defensively last season and play at that same level or close to it, and they can fix that offensive line and and be more effective offensively, they could be pretty damn dangerous guys because, I mean, you look at these bowl games, teams are scoring 40, 50 points in some cases and still losing because they just did not play any defense USC, that is the softest defense I have ever seen. They had zero interest in tackling those Tulane skill players. Zero interest whatsoever. To me, that was one of CSU's greatest strengths as a defense this past season under Freddie Banks. I felt like they tackled better in the open field than any CSU defense that I could remember in probably a decade. Might even have to go all the way back to Sonny. I don't know. I'm not trying to say anything crazy. I'm not going to you know, get memed because I came on here and boldly proclaim that CSU is going to be the next Tulane who was able to accomplish the greatest single season turnaround in FBS history. But there's definitely reason for hope. All right, I was going to give some more takeaways on the Mountain West and bowl season, just kind of the direction of the league that I would like to see, some things I would like to see the conference try and improve. I think I will save that for the next podcast, though, maybe the one after that. With less bowl games, we've got a little bit less to talk about. We're going to be talking hoops throughout the week. CSU women's basketball lost a heartbreaker against UNLV, but McKenna Hofschild continues to ball out. Obviously, a really tough loss for the men's team against 10 Miles Spartans at home on Saturday. They've got to respond and try and find a way to win on the road against a really good Nevada team on Wednesday. We'll see what happens there. I hope everyone had a very happy new year. Hope everybody is staying safe, staying warm out there. Much love to all of you. Peace. With the cuff khakis Wearing graphic tees Feeling way too trendy Raps that kill Oh, I'm deadly Primed and ready Like machetes At a deli In New Delhi Feeling scummy Like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice The water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCR He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh, I'm gnarly Like